0: Hey people, it's Damon D. It's Wednesday. I'm actually um, pretending to be excited because I'm actually a bit tired, but um, I wanted to get you guys hyped as I came into this because it is Wednesday, and uh, this Wednesday has been dedicated the last few weeks to talking about combat sports. And maybe i maybe that's why I am. Uh, I'm not feigning excitement. Maybe it's real excitement um, because uh, Fight Island is like a real thing, and it went off last weekend, and now we just have. Like UFC, all the time. It's crazy. It's like NFL now. They're just they're monopolizing every day of the week to turn it into uh, UFC time. So yeah, you're right. Maybe I'm 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 selling myself short on my level of excitement here. I'm I was trying to hype myself up when I was actually pretty hyped, because this is Wednesday. It's the Under Review Show. This is the Fat Lip Radio Edition. And joining us uh, again this week is uh, Sandu MMA. Um Sandy was going to hang out and talk MMA. I mean, he's supposed to come on for pay-per-views, but the way that UFC is going, he's just going to be a co-host for every show into the foreseeable future because all we're going to be talking about is UFC until every other sport gets the shit sorted out. Um, of course, you guys, this show brought to you by uh, the good people of betonline.ag. Uh, all the odds that you're going to hear on the show come from them. Uh, any questions that we have or expertise that we get about these odds comes from them. They're great partners, and they help us out a lot in making sure we're giving you accurate, up-to-the-minute wagering information, which, after all, that's what this freaking show is. It's all about uh, wagering. And, yes, here he is. uh, Sandu, back in business. Have you recovered from uh, the first weekend of Fight Island?
1: You know what? I'll tell you something, Damon. If we were talking on Sunday or on Monday, I was a little bit worse for wear i was on fumes my friend it was a busy week last week so much going on with fight island for him masvidal stepping in on six days notice and then of course you know that fight on the east coast over here finished at around 2 a.m so it was a late one on saturday night but man the the engagement numbers the traffic that this event garnered and gathered was just insane obviously by now a lot of people perhaps know but if they, if you don't know Uh, Mike Coppinger of The Athletic reported that this event did 1.3 million pay-per-view buys, which basically means it's now in the top five of the best-selling pay-per-views in UFC history. And it's probably the only one um, that hasn't been headlined by Conor McGregor. So that tells you everything you need to know about how big of a deal this event was and what a massive star and a massive draw Jorge Mazadal is.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting... uh... Interesting perspective. Yeah, we I know people are starved for sports. Um, they they, they absolutely are, and uh, maybe we know as well that the formula for the UFC to get a lot of pay per view buys is I don't know, put three title bouts on your main card. But it, it's probably going to help out a little bit. Uh, but even so, that being said, a lot of criticism has come um, to the UFC about how much they've just inundated, um, everybody with. So many fight nights, so many pay-per-views, so many fight cards over the last year or so. Um, is it all coming to fruition now? When yeah, it's not a, it wasn't a Conor McGregor um, card here. It wasn't one of like the John Jones. It wasn't, it wasn't these marquee super duper star kind of guys. It's like they can take a guy in Masvidal who wouldn't be considered like a major major draw, and he is now you know fifth on the list of major draws is now a major draw, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and look, and I'm I'm not downplaying the fact that, look, there were three title fights on this card, massive selling point. There was a lot of hype and promotion and genius marketing to surround this particular event with the whole UFC Fight Island narrative, but those things do not get you through the million pay-per-view buy ceiling. It takes special individuals, fighters that really cross over to the casual fan to the mainstream essentially to people that are outside of the the mma or the combat sports bubble so that's what for him brings to the table and then with regards to the actual schedule of events you know i think it's we're pretty accustomed to the ufc giving us approximately 40 events a year and with when the pandemic hit they were out of business for a while and so, you know, a little inside baseball here, but they owe ESPN, their major U.S. broadcast partner, X number of events every year. And if they don't, they default um, on what the, the broadcast partner and ESPN actually owes them and pays them because they're, you know, on the hook per event. Right. So that's what you're seeing a lot of these sort kind of midweek events, a lot of these Wednesday night events. So I think the UFC has pretty much caught up at this stage or certainly would have done by the end of this uh, run of events on Fight Island. But you just have to take your, your hat off to these guys because when you look at what's happening in the world and every other major sports league trying to still you know, get their act together, trying to figure out how they're going to even put these, um, you know, how they're going to put their sport back on and how they're going to try and complete these seasons. Man, the UFC you know, train has kept on chugging along, so you've got to respect them for that. And they've done it, for the most part, very safe, uh, with tons of COVID nineteen testing, um, so you really have to respect for you know for them for what they've done behind the scenes to actually logistically pull
0: this all off. Yeah, I. But by the way, I love fight the the concept of Fight Island, and and literally when this when this whole thing like started going and sports were canceled and stuff, you know the next thing you think of is just like, well, how are they ever going to do this? What what are they going to do? How would they keep it going? You know, and even if it's just a couple beers with your friends we're always talking about like, okay, I guess this is what you got to do. You got to isolate. How do you isolate it? Well, you just book out a hotel and you keep everybody quarantined and you test everybody every day and you, you know what I mean? You come up with these ideas, but nobody's ever has done it. You know, I guess it's easier said than done, but they're sort of doing it. The NBA's kind of got the bubble, but this is, it's turning out to be a debacle. Um, You know, the players associations are like, hell no, with so many of these, uh, ideas that these leagues have come up with. They're just like, this This is bullshit. Um, and the UFC has just kind of managed to pull it off, um, uh, which is great. And you know what? It's 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 I I, I, I call it, I'm going to make this term happen, but they Bubba Gumped their way into sports. They were the only ship in the harbor after the hurricane, and, and they're raking it in. I think the proof is in the pudding. They go and they put, okay, yes, three title fights, but not – you know, uh, uh, the major, major guys in the sport. To Hell, you could probably rack up 10 guys that you would just say in overall, like, uh, uh, household name popularity would be ahead of most of the fighters, probably besides Paige Van Zant on that last card. But they bubba-gumped it. And when you're the only ship in the harbor, everybody, you're catching all the shrimp. And the shrimp just translated into pay-per-view buys. And they ended up with, you know, a top five all time um great strategy super smart and uh frankly i'm i'm so surprised that it didn't happen sooner like uh uh, it's a hard thing to do it's harder than it is on paper to pull something like this off
1: yeah absolutely and i think a lot of credit has to go to their business partners in abu dhabi and to to actually have you know friends behind the scenes that are able to help you logistically host um, and you know, if you think about everything that needs to go into something, something like this, you know, the safety zone, the testing, um, you had a partner in had Airways, you know, flying all these camps and fighters and personnel from all of these hubs in Vegas and London. It's just incredible. It really is. And if you look, if you look at what other sports are trying to do, um, it hasn't really affected my enjoyment of the fights. You know, yes, it'd be great if we had fans. Uh, in the in the arenas to kind of really provide that electric atmosphere on, on a big fight night but on the flip side it's been fascinating as a viewer to be able to hear every kick and punch and hear the corner and kind of hear kind of the corner advice go down in between rounds I'm, you know I've been watching the Premier League from England and it's obviously I'm so happy that I'm able to watch soccer but it's just not the same you know, and then I remember just a couple of weeks ago I started to watch the Formula One. I'm a big F one fan. And luckily for Formula One, the soundtrack to that sport isn't incumbent on fans being in the arena. It's the it's the roar of the engines. So that's enjoyable. But yeah, I give my give all the credit in the world to the UFC. And again, when you look at other, you know, promotions in combat sports, boxing only recently started to get up and going going again with top rank. Um, You still got matchroom boxing that haven't really put on their first event over on on the other side of the world of the UK. Bellator MMA, which is, I guess, the number two promotion in mixed martial arts, just today officially sent out a press release that they're going to be coming back, uh, I believe, next weekend. And so while the other kind of competitors in combat sports are just now starting to come back, the UFC show has been up and running for a couple of months, which is quite remarkable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it is it is an interesting thing. And and by the way, uh, the biggest I mean factor is that like we've never been here before, right? Like we don't we don't know we we didn't know how to do this. Nobody knows how to do this. Um, and the, the fact that they figured it out is pretty pretty hefty. So hey, let's talk about this car because we are a betting show. We talk about online betting. BetOnline.ag gives us our bets um gives us our odds it's what we talk about the whole time we do this when we had you on last week about yep. um you know the card that was coming up um at UFC 251 we talked about the main card we rocked through all the fights you are an analyst and an expert you do this and pontificate on results and you give your insight on these things <clears throat> um for everybody in every interview you do whether it be on Twitter or whether it be on an Instagram or your own publications um but on ours, you gotta you gotta pony up, right? Yeah, yeah. You gotta say, "Well, I'm gonna bet on these guys." It's very different to say, "I think this person's gonna win," um, than it is to say, "I would put my money on this person." And so, uh, let's run through a, a, that this this main event card here, and then uh, and then we'll talk a bit about uh, tonight's fight night, and then this weekend's fight night coming up. Um, let's start with the opener, okay? It was Amanda Rebus, Paige VanZant. You and I both agreed across the board on this couple of things. Paige Van Zandt's contract's up. Paige Van Zandt doesn't have a very good record. Paige Van Zandt, probably not going to be championship-caliber UFC fighter any point in the future. Paige Van Zandt was set up for an unceremonious um, uh, um, swan song fight by the UFC against an absolute killer um, in in flyweight. Uh, Walk me through you know, what actually happened. Everyone knows what actually happened. But well, walk us through the Sandu MMA perspective.
1: Yeah, this pretty much went according to plan. And when mm-hmm. I say that, that went according to plan in regards to what the UFC pretty much set this fight up to be. It was a showcase for Amanda Rivas. Paige Van Zandt, like you mentioned, was in the last fight of her contract. And they are not going to let anyone, any fighter, just go off into free agency with a dub, Right. So they put up, put her up against a killer in Amanda Hebas and she she delivered. She delivered the goods. First round submission via armbar. It was completely one-sided. I don't even think Paige Van Zandt got off any offense for how long the fight lasted. And good for Amanda Hibas, you know. She took advantage of an amazing situation. Again, we've spoken about this with, with how successful this event was. There were a lot of eyeballs on this pay-per-view main card. And another thing to note with Amanda Hibas is because she's Brazilian, the UFC always are looking for that next Brazilian star that they can put the the promotional hustle and muscle behind because Brazil is a very, very important market to the UFC. And then in addition to all of that, how infectious was Amanda Hibas' energy, both in the build-up to the event but definitely in the post-fire interview? She she brought a smile to my face, and I I think she's going to become a fan favorite. She's an absolute killer in the octagon, and she's just got this wonderful positive energy about her. And so I can't wait to see her fight again. And then with regards to Paige Van Zandt, look, I don't really think her stock goes up or down. I think her stock pretty much just stays the same. I think at this point, we all know that Paige Van Zandt isn't the elite, the 1% of the 1% in mixed martial arts especially in the women's uh, flyweight division but look she definitely brings eyeballs and she brings attention to when she fights and i think when if you're a bellator maybe a one championship you're going to put in a decent offer i'm not completely shutting the, the the idea that she could be back in the ufc it just depends on how this um free agency uh, situation plays out for her and you know what offers she ends up getting one thing to remember about Paige Van Zandt, she is still only 26 years of age. So she's athletic. She's got tons of experience for her age. Uh, she can definitely improve. Uh, but I think ultimately she just wants to get paid, so she's going to go to the highest bidder. But uh, back to the actual fight itself, yeah. Amanda Hebas uh, was the odds-on favorite uh, by a landslide, and uh, that one came in, and rightly so.
0: Yeah, uh, she was a massive fave. And and I think yeah we all agree we saw... Finally, like it's so hard in any sport, uh, let alone UFC, to be like something that actually you think is going to happen happens. You know what I mean? That was really cool. And then, uh, and then, and then the night went, took off from that point. Uh, Jessica Andrade, Rose Namajunas. Um, Rose was a slight favorite. Uh, this thing goes five rounds. Uh, Rose wins a decision. I was happy because I was cheering for her. You uh, wagered on Rose winning. Um, though, I don't know, like I, it could have gone. I, I mean, this, 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 um, you know, the main event ended up being a lot of decisions. Um, uh, you know, the main fights did anyway, but this decision was something that like, uh, I don't know. I just want to get your opinion on it. Like especially you saw Rose after too. She took some shots, man, like a lot of them. And, and, and especially early on, I was a bit like, oh man, this might not end that well. Uh, your thoughts on how this worked out so here's the thing
1: i think if this was say a fight night main event that means it would have been a five round fight had we seen a fourth or fifth round i think we could be talking about jessica and getting a second victory over rose namayunis i think the fact that this was a three round fight rose had done enough to win the first two rounds and Draje, in most people's opinion and mine too won that third round it just wasn't enough to get the decision, ultimately it was uh, a split decision win for Rose Namajunas. She she got the the win. They are now one and one. You know we you know that last year Jessica Andrade defeated Rose Namu-Yunis via first round KO slam uh, for the championship. Uh, so you'd like to think that things are nicely set up where these two will eventually fight again somewhere down the road uh, to actually culminate in that trilogy fight. But I give Rosanami units a lot of credit. I think she looked fantastic. Her boxing was buttery smooth. Her footwork was absolutely amazing. And I think with this win over Andrade, she is now in pole position. She is next in line to fight Zhang Weili, the women's UFC uh, strawweight champion. Uh, and what's interesting about that situation is they are both under the same management. Uh, Sucker Punch Entertainment manage both Rosamund Yunus and Jean Bailey. So Uh I'm curious to see how that, I I love the kind of baseball information and nuggets of of knowledge that Uh some of these kind of fights produce. Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, comes together. And when they do eventually fight, you mark that on your calendar, guys, because we are talking about two of the absolute best of the best. This is elite mixed martial arts that's going to be on display when Jean Bailey and Rosamund Yunus fight.
0: Yeah, great. Uh, big Rose fan here. I want to see her go uh, go all the way, man. Uh, she's, she's awesome. I think she's great for the sport, too. Uh, next up, Jose Aldo, Peter Yan. Um, this was a wild one because, you know, we talked about the experience of Jose Aldo and, and that this guy is a pro's pro. And he was so amazing and, and dominant in his main runs. That it was—it's crazy to think that he's like has to go to a different weight class, or that, um, you know what I mean. You look at that—he's he's got six losses on his record, or, or, or seven now uh, losses, and then uh, and then Peter Yan—you were all over Peter Yan. You thought this guy was actually so legit, he was an absolute beast, um, and he kind of did what we thought he would do. It took him a little bit longer, um, but you had this—you called this uh, right from this right right out the gates, didn't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Peter Yan. If you didn't know who Peter Yan was before, you certainly know who he is now. This guy is an absolute monster at 135 pounds. But I'll say this much, Jose Aldo started the fight great. Those first couple of rounds were super competitive uh, and anyone that had any doubts on Aldo still being able to deliver the goods and compete at this level, just given his age and his experience and how many fights he's got on his record. And in addition to the fact that this is only his second ever fight at bantamweight, um, I have to think that the, the extra weight cut to get down to 135 pounds for a guy that spent pretty much his entire career at 145 pounds, it really started to wear on him in those championship rounds. And I think in rounds four and five, that's when Peter Jan really started to turn it on, put the volume up and really crank up the amount of offense he was laying into Jose Aldo. And I also have to say, I thought that the referee, Leon Roberts, who, in fact, is historically a really good referee, I did I, I did think he did a really bad job. Really, it was a really poor performance from him because I think the fight could have been stopped at least in the second minute of the fifth round. Pia Yana was just laying into Jose Aldo Aldo was not able to really intelligently defend himself. He was kind of like in that turtle duck position and it was maybe a hundred strikes, um, without any counter offense from Jose Aldo. So ultimately, uh, a poor performance by the referee, uh, but this did not go to the judges. Peter Yan gets the fifth round TKO, And I think we're, we're going to see a brand new era of dominance in the UFC bantamate division with Peter Yan as his champion.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you on the ref side. You and I were even like texting during the fight, going like, "Yeah, what what's going on here? Like this is he, he didn't move. He just like covered his head. I guess that's defense, is it? Is that really like uh, not 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 according to me? Um, uh. Anyways, yeah, we agreed there that just it could just unnecessarily took some unnecessarily uh, unnecessary beating from Peter Jan, but then it was, yeah, I, I agree. Peter Jan was amazing to watch. Um, j- just, I, I was really surprised with just his maturity as a fighter, right? you got a guy like Josie Aldo, who's, who's spectacularly talented and a seasoned vet, a guy who just knows how to, how to fight against anybody and adjust his game. And these are really tricky It's it, it, to, to guy, to go up against guys with so much experience because they are, uh, they are so experienced. They know how to mold and move real time in the moment to understand how to get through, and they'll do it right away. Right? They'll they'll figure you out sooner than 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 greener fighters will because they just can identify openings and and movement really really quickly. And uh, and you're right. Early on, Josie Aldo was just like, okay, like he was he was bringing it, and then you just saw Peter to figure it out. I mean, you know, a lot of his like youthful. Energy. He just didn't lose any energy the entire time. Probably helped quite a bit. Um, but you just saw how he, as he figured it out, he stayed calm. He didn't get overwhelmed. He stuck to a game plan, and then he figured out Aldo, and then it was game over. I mean, a lot of times you feel a guy's power, and they 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 take a couple shots early. They know that they you know this. They're not afraid of them anymore, um, and they hype up and go. I don't think Peter Yan did that. He just he was like it, it just a mature, smart sophisticated fighter in the ring um to go and finish josé aldo after uh, in five rounds
1: yeah i mean i don't know where josé aldo goes from here to be honest with you because obviously he's had enough uh chances to recapture the featherweight championship that haven't gone his way and now he's he's essentially zero and two People were scratching their heads a little bit with regards to why Jose Aldo was even given the opportunity to fight for the title, given he had lost to Marlon Marais, uh by the judges' scorecard in his uh, bantamweight debut. But now he's 0-2, so I think he's in a little bit of limbo. But I will say this much. I saw enough from Aldo to suggest that he can still compete at a very high level. I just don't think he's good enough anymore to be uh, the absolute best Uh, In terms of championship caliber fighters,
0: yeah, I'd agree with you there. It's a bit of a strange spot, Um, especially going changing weight classes. Uh, Yeah, he's he's you're right. He's in a a mystery. He's a mystery right now of what you do with the guy. Like, he's is he gonna just become gatekeeper guy? He'll go back down and just be you know, beat him, and then we can put you in your uh, in your top rung. It's um, sad to think about because he is extremely talented, but, uh, I mean, that's that's the downside of running into a division with some talent like a guy like Peter Yan sitting in front of you. Hey, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway. We spent a lot of time on this here. We, we we talked a lot about Holloway's experience, that he's still kicking it in the UFC and kicking some butt too. Um, and that uh, and that although Volkanovsky very good, um, a guy like Max Holloway – Uh, I think you and I both agreed. You especially were all about, you know, his ability, his experience um, coming in here and getting his redemption fight against Volkanovsky. Well, I think we were both right. I think Holloway won. I think Volkanovsky, like, ran out of their highway robbery style, somehow getting a five-round decision over Max Holloway. Um, I thought Holloway controlled the fight, he had some effective aggressiveness, he was assertive, uh, landed where he could land. I don't know, man. You, uh, we, we didn't win any money off of this, but we both bet on the guy that I thought won.
1: Man, this was the big controversial decision talking point coming out of this event. It, it's, it's Even today, people are still debating and comments and talking about what the UFC should do in terms of getting these guys back in there again. Because I think most people, the majority of people that I saw online, and myself included, scored this fight for Max Holloway. I gave Max Holloway the first three rounds. I gave Alexander Volkanovski rounds four and round five. Right? I'll say this much, though. Rounds one and two were very easy to score. Clear cut. Rounds for, for Max Holloway, that is rounds three four and five those are the rounds that could have gone either way just depending on your perspective and what you were kind of taking into consideration for who you were going to score that round for um i think alexander volkanovsky is very lucky uh, coming out of, out of this event to still be holding on to that championship and it's going to be interesting to see what the ufc does next because max holloway is also now in a bit of a limbo situation does he take some time out and beef up a little bit, put some muscle on and give a real solid go at lightweight at 155 pounds? We all remember last year, he, he, he stepped up and fought Dustin Poirier, the interim lightweight title. Uh, but he was, he was essentially still a featherweight. He just didn't cut weight. He just kind of rocked up to fight night without having to cut the extra 10 pounds. Or does he stay at featherweight? Because I tell you what, at featherweight route, featherweight right now you've got a murderous row of contenders who are just chomping at the bit to get a title shot. You've hmm. got Yair Rodriguez, you've got Zabit Magomedsharipov, you've got the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung, you've got Brian Ortega. So it's going to be interesting to see what you know the UFC and Max Holloway do next. For Alexander Volkanovski, I think he has got a lot of hate, and you know what? Even the word "robbery" was trending on Twitter. <laughs> That's how passionately people felt about how he got away uh, with this uh, with this decision. Um, I have to say, I, I, I think he's lucky that there weren't fans <laughs> in the arena for this particular fight because the minute the judges or uh, Bruce Buffer kind of announced that he was the winner. Could you imagine if there were 20,000 fans in the arena, what, what, what the scenes would have been? It would have been absolute pandemonium.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was, it was egregious, egregiously bad. Uh, there's no more deserving of a win. But, I mean, is this – yeah, in that division too, even did you see like the Korean zombies' uh, um, comments – on it yeah. too, but it, it's like a lot of guys are gonna jump in and just be like, "Yo, bro, you got robbed or whatever." His was like an eloquent challenge of like of like how I shall defeat, um, you know, this false deity and destroy him for the goodness of mankind. You know what I mean? It was incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, yeah, it, it definitely hit a chord with people, and me, me especially. I think we texted right after. I was just like, "What on earth are you talking about?" Like yeah, he got a couple rounds, and, and I think you, uh, I scored it similarly to you. But it was like, it's still yeah, it, it was there was no like hum and hawing. It was just like it was super black and white to me. Uh, very interesting, and uh, man, this is yeah, you're right. There's a buzzsaw of a division, so we're gonna the cream is gonna rise to the top, and does eventually in this division, and we're gonna see we're gonna see things mix it up. And I hope I hope Holloway still gets some shots at this though, because he should he should definitely be hold the belt right now. And at least have some stake in what's about to happen over the next year in this division. Let's jump yeah. into uh, our main event, Usman yeah, Masvidal. All right, um, Man. You know the way we talked about it. You set this fight up in a beautiful way. You're just you're saying, yeah, six fights. Notice my ass. Masvidal's been in the gym doing his thing. Hasn't taken a day off. It's basically he's been on a permanent training camp. Um, and I think it, it showed in a lot of ways um, in this fight that this he was game. He was ready to go. The only problem is, the problem is Usman had different plans. And he didn't want to face Masvidal where Masvidal wants to be. And that's inside a phone booth in the middle of the octagon. He did his thing. And then uh, five-round snoozer, we got Usman uh, retaining a title.
1: Yeah, look, let's not even beat about the bush on this one. This was not pleasing on the eye. It was not an entertaining fight. At, at the end of the day, this, you know, this isn't rock'em, sock'em robots. There, there is so many more elements to this than just punching and kicking, wrestling, jujitsu. and I think Kamaru Usman just basically implemented his, his ideal game plan. He got his stuff in, so to speak, and, you know, Jorge Masvidal is, you know, right now back in the gym, hasn't pretty much got a scratch on him no injuries um so it's not as if you know kamar beat the brakes off him or anything like that he just played the game he, he'd done enough to get the the nod from the judges scorecards in fact i gave Jorge him the very first round i thought he started the fight really really well it's just you you have to think that yes he was he was training but was it a full hundred percent dedicated to a opponent you know, six, eight-week training camp where maybe he could have put in the extra work on the cardio. Because I think as the fight was going on, uh, towards the end of the third round and definitely the fourth or fifth round, you could kind of see that Jorge Masvidal was starting to kind of uh, breathe a little bit more heavily, and so you know maybe he didn't really have enough gas tank, gas left in the tank uh, to 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 put together some offense. Now I'll say this much: even if Jorge Masvidal had the, the best training camp of his life. I would have still have picked Usman with my head because he is just that dominant. His style is so incredibly hard to break down and defeat. Um, If these guys ever fought again, the only kind of uh, positive to take away is at least Jorge Masvidal knows what it's like to be in there with, with Kamaru Usman for 25 minutes. So maybe he's able to take something away from this fight. And so if they do have a rematch down the road, he can kind of change his strategy and, and figure out how to break down Kamaru Usman. Now, the thing is, and we spoke about it at the top of the show, you know, Jorge Masdal, major superstar, lots of eyeballs on this pay-per-view Um, You know, biggest selling pay per view of the year, one of the biggest selling pay per views of all time. Unfortunately for Kamaru Usman, though, given his style, given his performance, and how the the fight played out, he he didn't really break out of his own bubble. You know, there's an opportunity sometimes when there's so many more eyeballs and a lot more attention on how you perform to really make a statement. And the prime example here is someone like a Khabib Nurmagomedov, right? Khabib Nurmagomedov is really, at his core, a grappler. He'll get you down, then he'll maul you. Kamaru Usman, his foundation is all about wrestling, much like Khabib. But the difference here is, is when the biggest spotlight was on Khabib, and I'm talking about the Conor McGregor fight, he was able to get Conor McGregor down and defeat him in the distance. Whereas Kamaru Usman, in a similar situation with Jorge mazdal he just... Kind of rolled it rolled out and steamrolled right through the 25 minutes um and it was just another day at the office for him he got the win uh he's still the champion and he'll still continue to be champion i think for the foreseeable future um and uh we'll see what happens with him but with Hoy mazdal i i think again when we talked about this last week it was essentially a win-win situation for him right even though he's lost this fight People can say, well, he only took this fight on six days' notice. He didn't really have a full and proper dedicated training camp. So you can kind of almost let that one slide by, right? Um, So I'm curious to see what Jorge Masdal does next because now that we know he's a legitimate draw and a legitimate superstar and he moves the the needle, so to speak, regardless of who he fights next, there's going to be a a lot of attention and a big spotlight on his next outing.
0: Yeah, I could agree with you more. Yeah, win-win for uh, for Masvidal. Uh, he, it's a freebie. It's a freebie and a huge paycheck for him. A massive paycheck, re- resurrecting, or re- or like saving, rescuing this pay-per-view on Fight Island um, with a big name. You know, I mean, this is just this worked out. Couldn't have worked out better except for maybe had he knocked him out. And uh, that being said, I don't know if he would have even with an eight-week training camp. Uh, that being said, the factor that you're going to take away besides cardio which generally is what affects a lot of guys coming in late but I don't think um I don't think it was as much of a factor as was the strategy that comes along with 8 weeks of bringing in wrestler after wrestler after wrestler you know yeah. and 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 forming and shaping your technique around how you're going to have to fight somebody in the octagon which could in in the best case scenario have changed the fight drastically and allowed him some more opportunity to do what he does so well and that's uh, all the stuff on his feet and uh, and that's really what affected him here i don't think he was ever scared of getting knocked out or having a spectacular defeat here really really not even the odds when we were talking about it and looked it up i think the total was set at four and a half and it, that was the total it's usually two and a half on a five round fight was the total was set at over under four and a half right and uh, with over being the major favorite there um he felt safe going into it but also man it looks good. He looks good to to uh, the the organization. Fans think he's just the greatest thing since sliced bread. And you know what? His showing was good enough that uh, he's going to be sticking around for a while and be drawing for quite some time here uh, in the near future.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to see. I mean, he's got lots of options. You know, there, there's the idea of him potentially fighting Nate Diaz. You know, you can run back the BMF rematch from last year, right? Um, you could perhaps have him take on Leon Edwards. Uh, for a lot of fans uh, that may remember that's when the whole three piece and a soda situation was born uh, backstage in London when they both were on the same card and then got into an altercation backstage and um, and then obviously you've still got the potential idea of, of a Conor McGregor fight now if I'm a betting man I don't think if you're the UFC you do the McGregor Mars Vidal fight right now I think Ideally, you want to make that fight when they are both super red hot coming off wins and there's a lot of momentum behind them. Um, so I, if I'm a betting man, I, I think we're going to probably probably either see the Diaz rematch or the Leon Edwards fight. And the reason why I think the Leon Edwards fight is, is so much in play for Mars right now is in the interviews since the loss to Usman, he is like laser focused on trying to get back in there with Usman because his ultimate objective is to win the UFC Worldweight Championship. And it looks like the UFC are going to go ahead and book Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns, which was the original main event oh. UFC 251. Dana White has said that Gilbert Burns is going to get that shot still. Um, and so who does that leave? at the top of the weight class in terms of another contender it's leon edwards who's riding an eight fight win streak so if you're mars vidal and you want to a get another shot at the title you you knock out the guy or you finish the guy that's riding an eight fight win streak and has um, all the credentials to get a title shot right now you beat him cool great you're back in the win column you just beat another contender will give you the shot depending on who wins between Burns and Usman and, and the Edwards situation is great because not only do you get to fight and potentially get a win over a top contender but there's beef there's, there's promotional material for the UFC to use given this backstage brawl that these guys were in in London so it's, it's a home run situation so for me it's Diaz or Edwards I'm leaning slightly towards Edwards right now but whatever Masvidal does next everyone's going to be watching no doubt
0: well, that's the great thing about it, man. We've we, we've got a new draw. We got somebody who's actually going to go out there, uh, fight on short notice, and uh, and and entertain the people, right? We went and root for somebody, and uh, it's getting tough with the with, with these, uh, you know, all the title holders uh, dropping like flies and, and getting arrested, and then just moving weight classes. And uh, Masvidal's the best thing that happened to happen to the UFC in a very long time. And Conor re- retiring, unretiring, re-retiring. Uh, hey, uh, real quick before we let you go. Um, uh, tonight, there's a fight night going on. Yes. Main event, uh, Qatar and then Dan Ige. Um, I, it always bothers me saying his name. Um, right now, uh, Qatar is a minus 275 favorite. Who you got in this fight tonight?
1: I've got Qatar here. Now, I'll say this much. Dan Ige. That's how you say it, by the way.
0: Ige. <laughs> Ige. No, it's Ige.
1: Ige. He's, uh, <laughs> he's riding a fantastic six-fight windscreen. Um, now, I'll say this much. He did get a split decision in his favor against Edson Barboza uh, in May yeah, This right. year. So he has fought very recently. Um, now, that is a fight that I personally thought he lost, but it is what it is. He, he got the, the nod on the judges' scorecards there. But let me tell you, Calvin Cater, he is the real deal. Um, the only guys that are ahead of him right now in the in the current UFC rankings, Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez, Chan Sung Jung, and Max Holloway. <laughs> like yeah. so, literally a win here, and he's breaking into title contention, you know, very, very shortly here. And by the way, if I am Calvin Cater and I do get the win tonight, I'm calling out Max Holloway. That's the move. If I'm if I'm his management team and I'm giving him any advice, get the win get on the mic and call out Max Holloway, because we know that Alexander Volkanovsky is going to probably end up fighting a, another contender now, whether it's, again, Ortega or Chan Sung Jung, Kareem Zombie, or one of the other guys. So if I'm Calvin Cater, the best thing I can do for my next fight is defeat a former champion, and then you are a shoe in to get a title shot in 2021. Um, but yeah, I'm picking Calvin Cater to, to win. Uh, this fight i think he's um a favorite for a reason um i would be pretty surprised if dan Ige um was able to to pull off the win um but if he does jesus christ that'll be a seven fight win streak mm. and that is nothing to snuff at
0: yeah uh, i agree with you 100 percent too by the way if for both holloway and uh, and qatar or cater as you say um th- this is the pathway to another title shot for both of them it gets the fight. It allows the the title holder to go do his defense thing um, with another contender, get that fight out of the way because you know that it's it's probably not happening for either of these fighters, um, uh, k or, or Holloway right away. They go do their thing. They know that they're fast-tracked getting back in the ring for a title shot. Uh, I love that idea, man. And uh, hey, I love having you on the show, dude. Uh, appreciate you doing this. How can people get a hold of you, uh, man, if they want to check you out on the internet machine?
1: Yeah, Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's all Sandu MMA, and uh, that's where you can find me. I'm pretty consistent on pumping out content every single day, and if you like your MMA news, opinion, fun content, then I'm the guy to follow.
0: There you go, and of course, uh, all the odds we talk about here on the show are available at betonline.ag, and uh, these guys stay on top of it, and uh, they take it uh, seriously, the uh, the boxing and the UFC. Uh, they're always up to date. They The they're the quickest odds out for the next fight, even, even they'll make stuff up for future bouts that are coming up down the road. It's incredible working with them, um, so fire yourself over there if you use the promo code REVIEW when you're signing up. Um, uh, courtesy of the Under Review Show, you can get a little extra nugget of uh, awesomeness in your account uh, just for listening to us and hanging out. Sandu, MMA, as always, uh, friggin' awesome to have you on the show. We appreciate your time, appreciate the effort, and uh, everybody else listening, appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon. Adios, muchachos.